If you are joining us for the first time, I'm in a series that is called Captive. And what I'm doing is looking at the things in life that can trip us up and imprison us. Jesus came that we might be free, free to love him, free from fear, free from the guilt of sin, free to be what God created us to be, to glorify him and bring him honor uh, and live a life that is full of joy. But the enemy always puts these traps, trips, temptations in our life that hinder our freedom that Jesus brought us. Uh, and the enemy's goal is to condemn us, to weigh us down with that burden of guilt and shame again and make us slaves. But thank God there is always always, always a way out of those temptations and traps. And we looked at Ephesians or 1 Corinthians 10, 13 last week. I want to look at that again. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure it. There is always a way out. The, the word promises us that in temptation, in those times that could trip us up, there is always a way out. We don't have to get caught up in the enemy's schemes. We don't have to be held hostage to our sinful nature. But the question is, what if you don't choose God's way out when you face that temptation? What if you rebel? and do things your own way? What if you don't know the word well enough to, to discern God's path and way out? Well, in those cases, you get tripped up and potentially caught in something that could undermine the freedom that you have in Jesus. Last week, we looked at the trap of bitterness, and we said the way out of bitterness was to offer forgiveness that often comes just from the, the spirit of God, that humanly that's not possible. But with God, all things are. This morning, we're going to look at the trap of worry. Now, there are endless possibilities uh, for the enemy to trip us up in the area of worry. Finances, like huge. Job struggles, sometimes constant, which also sometimes overlap with those financial concerns, right? Uh, marriage stress, uh, the number one marriage stress that couples face is finances. So there's, there's a common theme here. Uh, sending your kids off to school, uh, that empty nest, heartache, and also finances again. Uh, relationships, parenting, mother-in-laws, uh, doctor visits. Have you ever thought... What kind of world are kids these days going to grow up in? I remember when Jared was born in 2001, he was born in June, and September 11th happened. He was three months old. And I remember holding him, thinking that very question, what kind of world is this child going to grow up in? I confess many times I have fallen victim to the sin of worry. I have tossed back and forth on my bed, not able to turn my brain off, just sleepless nights. Occasionally those times and seasons go on for hours and I, I, till I am exhausted. And I just pray, Lord, help me let this go. Or I am going to be absolutely 
worthless tomorrow. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't give that to the Lord, worry can undermine the freedom that you have in Christ. Sometimes uh, Christians try to spiritualize worry so that it doesn't sound as bad. And they say, well, I'm not worried. I'm just concerned. Well, let me tell you from experience, if you can't turn your mind off, if you can't sleep, if you can't think of anything else, if you can't let it go, it is more than concern. Is a trap from the enemy who wants to cause us to doubt God's plans for us. The trap of worry always puts this question in front of us. If you're taking notes, who am I going to trust? Who are you going to trust? Look at Romans 14, 23. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. Now, Paul's talking about wrestling with whether or not what you're eating, what you're drinking is acceptable to God or not. But the point is, and he says it, everything that does not come from faith is sin. That is a general principle that applies to everything. Worry is the opposite of faith. Worry is distrusting the faithfulness of God. Worry is almost acting like the enemy's plans will succeed over the plans of God, who, whose God, God's word tells us that God's plans for us are good and that he has a hope and a future for us. Worry believes the exact opposite. Your mind, my mind always goes to the worst case scenario in seasons of worry. And when you boil it down, worry and that, see, that spirit of fear that grips us is sin. Second Timothy 1, 7 says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So that fear doesn't come from God because he has given us instead a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Too many followers of Jesus let worry and fear get a grip on their heart and on their life, and they start to question whether or not they can trust God. Jesus spoke directly to the struggle of worry in Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Now, Jesus gives some really specific examples there, but the overarching phrase is, do not worry about your life. And what he means by that is like everything, not just clothes, not just food. Don't worry about your life because God will take care of you. He goes on in verses 33 and, or 32 through 34. For the pagans, those who don't follow Jesus, run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. Everything else will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. 
For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And all God's people said, amen. Because everybody knows that every day has enough trouble. Uh, my dad, who is the king of wine liners, would say, you can't take two days at a time. So just worry about the day, the troubles of the day. Don't worry about the troubles of tomorrow because they, they come one at a time. God knows what you need and he'll take care of you and you can trust him. He will provide because he loves you. When I can't let something go, when I'm tossing and turning on my bed, I am often playing a game you might be familiar with. It's the what if game. Anybody else play the what if game and can't turn your mind off? Yeah, like a lot of you guys play the what if game. Uh, if you've ever played that game, you know that that game wears you out. What if this? What if that? Well, what if so-and-so? And it, the long-term effects of that game are high blood pressure, anxiety, ulcers, headaches, tension, sleeplessness. In the last year or so, God has um, done a work in my life and my heart in relation to worry. By no means do I think I have arrived, um, but God has done a great work with me. So what I want to do um, this morning is share a little bit of my journey and give you three statements that I think are kind of like a game plan for overcoming the trap of worry. Uh, for those of you who are newer here, uh, my wife's name is Lisa, and last year my wife um, almost died. She has rheumatoid arthritis, and the arthritis set into the joint in her vocal cords and almost shut off her airway entirely. Uh, she lost a bunch of weight, and honestly, systems and things just started shutting down. It has been a, a very, very difficult road, but uh, honestly, my wife is my hero uh, because she keeps, I knew I shouldn't have looked at her, um, <laughs> because she keeps moving forward. Um, she keeps up with our kids. Uh, she has poured her energy and her talent into the things that she can do instead of focusing on the things that she cannot do. Uh, there have been moments along the way that have caused us both to have this spirit of fear and anxiety and worry. And, and I don't want to make uh, a battle that is, is hers and that she bears much more than I do about me. But I confess that I have fallen in, in the past to the worry of being a single dad, to the worry of being alone, uh, to the worry of, of losing her before it's time. Although I am sure that, that there's never like a good time. It's always not time. But here are some things that I am learning on this journey um, because God has done this work in this past year in my heart and I'd like to share it with you. So these are three statements for overcoming worry. Number one, I will do what God asked me to do. I will do what God asked me to do. I want to say that together and out loud. So if you would join me, I will do what God asked me to do. And I think many believers try to minimize their part of God's plan. And they do it in a way that in, in my mind, it sounds spiritual. I'm just not sure it's of God. If they're facing a huge obstacle, they almost sit back and they just rest and they sit 
and they think, you know what? God's going to take care of this. Maybe it's somebody that uh, is unemployed and you ask them the question, hey, you looking for a new job? Filling out applications? And they're like, nope. Well, did you freshen up your resume? Are you going to job fairs? Are you networking? Nope. God's going to provide me the perfect job in the perfect time. I'm just waiting on the Lord. That is not doing what you can do, nor is it doing what God asks you to do. Or maybe it's a guy that doesn't want to be single anymore. And you think, well, are you getting out? Are you meeting people? Are you being nice to some ladies and at least smiling? And they're like, nope, but God's going to give me the perfect spouse when the time is right. Well, I'm sorry, you at least need to say hello. You know, I just, it's not going to, God's not going to drop some babe out of the sky in your lap that says, you want to get married? Um, Or or maybe it's somebody, (laughs) you can quote me on that. It's not going to happen. God is living and active, but God is going to ask us to do some things. I have always admired, oh, I'm not going to look at her this time. Uh, I've always admired my wife's willingness to do whatever it took to keep moving forward. Two titanium hips, yep, cut them out, give me new ones. Shoulder replacement, yep, let's do it. Knee replacement, okay. Anything that needs done to keep moving forward, let's do that. Trach, well, I hate that. But if it's the only thing possible, yes, I will do that too. Let me just answer all the other questions as well. Have we prayed? Yes. Has she been anointed with oil? Yes. Do we believe God can heal? Absolutely. But we have done what we can do. We have done what we think God wants us to do. I'm going to take a little liberty with a verse of Scripture. It's Romans 13, 4. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment to the wrongdoer. This is Pastor Steve 13.4. And you will not find this in the Bible. I'm just telling you straight, right up. For the one with a medical license is God's servant for your good. If you are sick and don't go to the doctor, be afraid. For doctors do not bear the scalpel for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of his healing for those who are sick. Through my wife and I working with doctors, We have been blessed by God. We have three wonderful kids that would not have been possible any other way. Lisa is walking today instead of in a wheelchair. And she is alive on this earth instead of alive in heaven, which is good too. I'm just thankful she's still with me. In the past, honestly, I have worried and struggled and tossed and turned. But 
this past year was different. And it was because God was working these truths in my spirit. And there was a peace that went beyond understanding. It was in God's hands. And I trusted him no matter what. Which leads me to statement number two. I will trust God to do what I cannot do. I will trust God to do what I cannot do. And I want to say that together. So if you would join me, I will trust God to do what I cannot do. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything. Paul might have as well have just said, do not worry. But instead, in every situation, by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your request to God. In other words, give it to God and do so with a spirit of thanksgiving. Now, how in the world is that possible? You can't do that on your own. I I can't do that on my own. Giving God thanks in the middle of the storm, in the midst of one of those trials, is an act of the Holy Spirit where you thank God for his good plans for you in advance before the reality that you will see. God is going to ask you to put your faith into action. James tells us that faith without works is dead. There are going to be some things that God asks you to do, but there will always be things that you cannot do things that you cannot understand and figure out. It doesn't matter how much you toss, turn, or roll around on your bed. And as Scripture says, you won't add one day to your life by worrying. We need to trust God to do what we cannot do, thanking him for what we do not yet see because his plans are good. Now, what sometimes happens if you're anything like me is that you say something like this to God, God, I'm worried, I'm stressed, this is bothering me, and I am just going to give it to you. Here it is, God, take it, I trust you with it. God, you're taking a really long time. Um, I'm getting pretty nervous, God, because I still don't see you doing absolutely anything, nothing has happened. And then you take it back. That's what we often do. And that's where worry is often born in the life of a believer. The enemy sets the trap of worry in the timing for us. Now, I want to clarify that I am not saying we do what we can do first, and then we ask God to do what only he can do second. That's not what I'm saying at all. Trusting God, going to him is always first. But trusting him does not mean that while we are trusting, we cannot be doing something. 
Jesus healed people while they were doing things. Sometimes Jesus even asked them to do something on the way to healing. Remember the 10 lepers that were healed? They came to Jesus and asked to be healed. And he said, go, show yourself to the priest. So they're still lepers and they're walking away from Jesus. Why would Jesus do that? I mean, they came, they asked, why didn't they just heal them? Because sometimes faith and trust go together. Here's a couple scenarios. You can answer them in your head or out loud for fun if you would like to. Can you heal someone from cancer? No, you cannot. But you can always do something. Can you, can you take away someone's arthritis? No, you cannot. But see, in both those cases, you can go see a doctor who does not bear the scalpel in vain. You can get good advice. You can seek treatment. But that doesn't mean that in your doing, in your going, that you're not trusting. God can bring healing at any time. Just because you're doing what you can do or what you sense God leading you to do does not mean that God can't do what he wants to do at any point in time. God could turn my wife's titanium joints back to bone anytime he wants because nothing is impossible with God. But in the meantime, we're going to seek God and do what we can do and pray about what God wants us to do. Can you make a wandering son or daughter come back to Jesus? No, you cannot. But you can invite, you can get on your knees and pray, you can love and you can thank him in advance for answering the prayer. Just because you're doing what you're, you can do does not mean that God won't do what only he can do. I think too many believers do nothing and try to spiritualize it. They worry that if they do something that God won't do what he can do. God is not passive aggressive. Just because you act in faith or seek him and do something doesn't mean that God's going to step back and say, ho, 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 do it on your own. I'm not doing anything for you at all. That's not the way he works. He loves you. His compassion is great. God can intervene at any time, in any place, even right now, and bring healing and wholeness, freedom from worry. Which leads me to number three. No matter what happens, I will trust God. Let's go ahead and say that together. No matter what happens, I will trust God. I love in scripture the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because it proclaims this kind of faith. It's in Daniel 3, starting with verse 16. I'm going to read it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. He is able, and whether we die or not, we will be delivered. But even if he does not, we want 
you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you set up. These three men were, did this entire process. They, they lived these statements. They did what God asked them to do, what they felt God would want them to do. They did not bow down to the idol. They trusted that God could do what only God could do, save them from the king and the furnace. But they promised to trust God no matter what. Whether he did or did not answer that prayer, they were still not going to bow, and they were still going to put their hope and trust in God. That's the picture of faith I desire for you this morning because trust is the way out of worry. If God answers the prayer on your heart the way that you're praying it, thank him and praise him. If he doesn't answer it the way you're praying it, his plans for you are still good. Thank him and praise him. He is sovereign and he is good. He has plans to bless you and prosper you, whether he answers the prayer the way you're praying it or not. You still have a hope and a future. His love is still better than life itself. We, as brothers and sisters in Christ, live in a place of victory in Christ and nothing can remove us from that place. I don't know what you are tempted to worry about this morning, but don't let it trap you in its web. Instead, put this plan into place. Let's say it together one more time. I will do what God asked me to do. I will trust God to do what I cannot. And no matter what happens, I will trust God. May God set you free. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks that your plans for us are good. They're always good. And your will for us, no matter what ailment, no matter what sickness, no matter what disease, God, it is always that we be healed. And God, we know and we trust that your plans for us are good. But God, the enemy often sets that trap in the timing. So God, this morning, we want to thank you and praise you with thanksgiving and proclaim that we will trust you no matter what, no matter whether that timing is in this life or the next, God, you are still God. You bring us freedom. May our hearts always be free in you. And all God's people said,